And I want to welcome you all tonight and thank you for supporting our second Pan-Age benefit for writers and editors with AIDS. It is an especially poignant evening as we honor Gregory Kolovakis, who was one of the founders of this benefit. I miss, miss him very much. I want to thank my co-chair, Arnold Skazi, for his generous support of this evening, and my other co-chair, Gayford Steinberg, whose moral and spiritual support always makes the work more easy and more fun. I hope this evening represents to all of you what it does to me. One more call to arms along with CFCA, AMFAR, Gay Men's Health Crises, and other armies who have mounted this all-out attack against our number one enemy, AIDS. Dr. Matilda Krim, who pointed out last week that there was relief in sight. This evening, we come to the aid of our fellow authors and editors who are in personal need of assistance. And I look forward to your continued support next year, and the next year, and the year after until this battle is won. Now I'd like to introduce you to a pin board member, Helmer Wallister. Thank you. Two years ago, as the AIDS crisis continued to escalate, Gregory Kalavakis suggested that Penn set up an emergency grant fund for writers and editors with AIDS to be administered by the Writers Fund. Considering the cost of being seriously ill in America today, these grants are relatively modest, but the expression of gratitude from recipients is disproportionately large. It's clear that the emotional support of friends and colleagues is as important as the financial support. Your presence here tonight provides a very generous offering of both. Just to let you know where your love and your money are going, I'll read a few excerpts from letters sent to the Writers' Fund Committee in recent months. As these six years of having AIDS KS pass, my hope continues to grow. It is because of people like you and you that my despair can be managed. Bless you. Arriving home in Friday afternoon's rain and somewhat harried, I found your generous check and wonderful letter. And still, two days later, I find myself overwhelmed. The coming winter no longer promises to be as long and difficult as I had imagined it might be. You can't imagine how much pressure and stress this takes off me this month. How wonderful it is that there are people and organizations like you. You are putting humanity back in human beings. I wanted to let you know how much I've appreciated your help and how it's made things manageable for me. I'm out of the hospital, and my second novel is delivered to the agent. Thank you again. You are very good people. Your letter and grant check arrived yesterday. I am exhilarated at the committee's prompt and positive response. What a breath of fresh air Penn's help is to me. I wish I was in New York so I could hug each and every one of you. Thank you all. And now, here's your MC for the evening, Fran Leibowitz.
to my backup MC. Thank you. Hi. Uh, I want to thank you all for coming, although probably you should thank us for giving you this rare opportunity to see some of these uh, performers without having to remember the difference between the Manhattan and the Brooklyn Bridge. Um, the first group of entertainers, or artists, I don't know them, so I don't know <laughs> which I would call them, but I am uh, coming on after them, and they should keep that in mind, um, is a group called Thought Music. How rarely those two words go hand in hand. Um, I'm going to read to you from the... Um, biography that was provided to me uh, that says Thought Music is a trio of writer-performers which includes Laurie Carlos, Jessica Hagendorn, and Robbie McCauley. Teeny Town, part one, two, and three, is an ongoing work by the group which explores racism, sexism, and homophobia in a pop culture context. It has been presented at different venues in New York and most recently at LACE in Los Angeles and Festival 2000 in San Francisco. Uh, Jessica Hagedorn regrets that she cannot be here tonight as she is out of the country. But writer-performer Nikki Perezo has graciously consented to replace her and will be reading from her work. So I present to you Thought Music. In, in my, in my, in my dreams, sweaters are, are referred, referred to, to as vulvas. They, they are angora wool, wool. Angora of wool. a soft, soft warm, warm texture. We, we wear these sweaters. these sweaters. Gray, bleeding into a deep, deep rich, rich red, red similar to a Japanese raku pottery. pottery. People say things like, it's, it's hot. hot. I think I'm going to take my vulva off. It's cold. I think I'm going to take my vulva off. I think I'm going to keep my vulva on. Selfish men and women ask each other questions like, where did you get that beautiful vulva? Followed by remarks like, oh, I think I'm going to. I think I'm, I'm going to put, put my vulva in the closet. I think I'm going to put my vulva in the closet. I think I'm going to put my vulva in the closet. I think I'm going to put my vulva in the closet. I think I'm going to put my vulva in the closet. I think I'm going to put my vulva in the closet. I think I'm going to put my vulva in the closet. I think I'm going to put my vulva in the closet. I think I'm going to put my vulva in the closet. There's a kind of almost going to be, if they get to it, even if they don't, war 
going on again in another generation? Did they miss one? The guy from Avenue D said, I'm going in the Army Monday. I want to be a military police. He said, my father is in the Army. My brother is in the Marines. My uncle is in the Army. My godfather is in the Air Force. My big brother is a police officer. I look up to him. At the Career Institute, I took up police investigation. I figure when I get out, I'll be set up. Then I can take the police test. He had a mean anti-crack rap that brought tears to my eyes. He could have been a Fred Hampton. To myself, I said, what could I say? Get shot down dead in your bed? He was young, strong, sensitive, upright, and true, about to be bound in a badge and blue. The guy from Avenue D, going in the Army. The guy from Avenue D, going in the Army. He had a mean anti-crack rap. Jessica, who is not here tonight, asked me to read a text that she wrote for Gregory Kolovakos, who is a friend of hers, called Traveled in the Combat Zone. Where is my fine and feathery friend, that poised and gentle creature? Last seen in the combat zone, mulling over a better than average meal in an all-night cafe. She's in a trance, dreaming of catching the mystery train back to the tropical landscape of her memories. The waiter presents her with a fortune cookie she cracks it open. There's nothing inside. What's this? An omen, no doubt. She is terrified. She's a North American casualty, unsure of her real identity, if a real identity even exists. The waiter shrugs. He's seen it all before. No news is good news, he announces cheerfully. I saw a dead man this morning sitting up in the doorway like he was taking a nap, she tells the waiter. I saw a man on the subway with no eyes. I saw a woman kicked through the turnstile. I saw the same woman run screaming through the subway cars, begging for help. I saw the man follow her with a confident look on his face. I saw the queen of the Nile pushing a shopping cart filled with bottles up 147th and Broadway. I saw a man with blue-black skin shave off his invisible beard with a knife, using only the sky for his mirror. The waiter presents her with the bill. When you gotta go, you gotta go, he says. Where is my fine and feathery friend, 
that cold and gentle creature, last seen in flight from the plague-ridden cities of the combat zone, clutching a list of the dead and dying in her hands, last seen fighting off despair in an all-night cafe where old Chinese men sip black tea at three in the morning, she sits at her table long after the bill has been paid, long after the waiter has retreated into the sanctity of his own impatient dreams. In the landscape of her memory, she's in Zamboanga, in an open market surrounded by grinning women. They call out her name, holding up bolts of cloth and elephants carved out of seashells. I am one of you, she tells the women. I am not an American. I have no money. The women mock her with laughter. They don't believe her lies. She is a perpetual foreigner at home in airports, an exile within, homesick for what she can only imagine. Against the backdrop of billboards advertising Dunkin' Donuts and Kikuman soy sauce, gold and white mosques are built next to rice fields. Where is my fine and feathery friend? She's in a dusty paradise walking slowly on an unpaved road. Suddenly the sky turns black, the burning sun eclipsed by a flock of black swans in flight. Swans of mourning, their bleak formation hovers over her in a graceful arc, a trail of sorrow which vanished in an instant. An omen, no doubt. She can hear the waiter in the North American cafe warning her, you can run, but you can't hide. No longer terrified. She clutches the list of the dead and dying in her hands. She will commit their names to memory. She will remember to stay angry. The sun is blazing. She keeps walking. Dog, eat dog, the world, underfoot dog on, taxi, dog for dog, taxi down the runway, dog it, the tall black man, the brown suit, had the decency not to cry on Broadway, not the Broadway of the drifters, but the Broadway of spectacular capes and Beaded baby, ball gowns, underfoot, under wheels, hot dog, the avenue of organza and pearl teardrop, the avenue of satin. He had the decency to keep the dog, to keep the dog from being squished. He dragged it on the Daily News, on the Broadway of IRS and crack deals, the Broadway of gaping mouths. I held a taxi, I taxi going downtown. I taxi. He hit the dog going downtown. Taxi, I held a taxi going downtown. He hit the dog. He hit the dog, hit the dog again. again going downtown. God, God the dog, dog was big. God, the dog was big. <laughs> I left the Philippines believing I would not need my recipe for dog pie mush. I left knowing that my taste for cognac would grow. Don't step in the deal. There's a fire raging behind you as we chat, as we chat. and the telephone rings. I don't say I a, don't word. a word. Voyeur to, Voyeur to catastrophe. You keep moving your lips moving in silence. Don't step
step in the doo-doo, She's children. With words. She warns us before hanging up the phone. She There's a fire There's raging a fire. behind you right there outside the window. I left the Philippines believing that I would not need my recipe for dog pie mush, the delicious smell of singed flesh on a Saturday afternoon. Savage, Savage like her memories of, of running, running dogs, dogs and, and old men's humiliations. I moved uptown to, to know, know my, my people, people and to suck, suck out the eyes of the dog, dog dreams, dog dreams, dreams that, that chewed me raw. A man's best friend and, and a, a woman's demise. demise. We, we learned to suck bones and, and stay cheerful. <laughs> French poodle scuttles, rover, rover retrievers, guard dogs, guard dogs and schnauzers with long French ears. Contest for running and barking. Loss of identity. Useless tags. Fallen hair. Saul Young passed away last week on the 29th of November while we were at a panel. This is one of his favorite pieces of mine. I do it for him all the time. The dancers we are now claw into businessmen's imagination. Melancholy enters the bowels, giving off phosphorescent lips, eyelids, earlobes. They've arrived home at 7.30 with newsprint all over their palms, with sweat on their lapels, late for dinner again, late for a scenario of late-night life disasters. The cocktail hour dancer allowed him to kiss her heels with his numb pink tongue. The $5 he slipped into her belt will never be missed. It had no other destination. A dancer's mother weeps, and all the time, wampum real estate, their hearts beat, wampum real estate, and their tongues taste nothing in the mouths of their lovers. No dreams, no fire, only solo voyages, no pathways to forever. Wampum real estate, his tongue tasted salt in the silver heels of the dancer. The puddles of sweat where she works are lakes of salt water. She is not dead. Do you remember the man in the band with the phosphorescent teeth? I asked him what happened to his wonderful smile. They've all fallen out on the beach, pieces now of turquoise stone, amber, jade. He took the onyx, piece, onyx pieces from his pocket. Many people had left them coming up the stairs. How fortunate some belonged to very close friends. My grandfather spoke of a quadrille and tap danced on the grass. He did tap dance on the grass, <laughs> cotton patch tangos, new songs, corn shuck hustle, memory, new songs, cotton patch tangos, new songs, new dances, a recipe for chitlins, vomit for life, my legacy, new songs, new dances, remembrance, bitter herbs. We've sold all the land in Virginia to pay taxes. No prayer now to put the pot in the ground, dig the hole, drop the pot, wood, fire, five small pieces of pork, tomatoes, cover over, 
the way slaves did trying to escape. Nowhere now to plant black-eyed peas the way slaves did living in the jungles of America. We're living in the jungles of America. We're living in the jungles of America. We're living in the jungles of America. Turn for Gregory Colovacos and for all our loved ones. Get up in the morning, pull the shades up to the shining sun. Oh, it's difficult times, my friend, and there's so much to be done. Oh, my dancing boy, your life was not in vain. We will sing a new song and make the old ones new again. Like a bird in flight, Soaring through the night sky Like a tree in the desert Branches swaying in the howling wind I have seen you dance, dance, dance I have seen you dance, dance, dance Across the sand I have heard your voice. I've seen my brothers and my sisters marching up and down from Tompkins Square to the Battery. They're saying, government man, don't you turn a deaf ear to our angry pleas. Get up, get up, get up, get up, stand up, get up, get up, get up, get up, speak up, get up, get up, get up, get up, act up, get up, get up, get up, and speak your mind. I've seen my sisters and my brothers marching down to the Capitol. They're saying, government man, don't you tell us what to see. Don't you tell us what to write. Don't you tell us what to do. Don't you tell us how to live our lives. Oh, dancing boy, our lives are not in vain. We will make a new dance and make the old ones new again. Like a bird in flight, soaring through the western sky, like a tree in the desert, sagebrush rolling in the trembling wind. We have
have seen you dance, dance, dance. We have seen you dance, dance, dance. Across the sands of time, we have Marching up and down from Congress floor to Capitol Hill, saying, Government man, don't you turn a deaf ear to our angry pleas. Get up, get up, get up, get up, stand up, get 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 up, The um, consensus backstage was generally quite favorable. There, however, was an element that brought their the commercial. In light of, um, I also feel that in light of uh, recent current events, I feel compelled to tell you that they weren't actually singing. The next. Um, Former person, sometimes they're the same, uh, is Garrison Keillor. Uh, my first exposure to Garrison Keillor was a story I read of his in the New Yorker in the early 80s, 80 or 81, which I just adored for numbers of reasons. I uh, thought it was quite funny. I also found the sensibility so fresh and engaging that I believed him to be a very, very old man. I had this notion of him as this extremely old, yet strangely unbitter old man. Very funny, sort of dreamboat, gentile grandfather. So um, when he was publishing his first book and his publisher called and asked if I would give him uh, a quote for the jacket, I was more than delighted that he was going to have a book come out while he was still alive. <laughs> and I hope that he would find uh, some audience that he deserved. Um, he has now found actually an audience that I feel I deserve. <laughs> He's not very old at all. However, he is quite a bit older than I am. Uh, he would not tell me what he was reading. He wants to tell you himself. So here is Garrison Keillor. I'm grateful in my house for that blurb. 
and no one in my presence has ever said an unkind word about Fran Lubavitch except herself. It's such an honor to be here, and thank you so much for coming. I would like to read uh, for you just a little bit from my book, Les Corbegandes, from a passage which I believe is the longest footnote in American fiction. Uh, it is a manifesto of 95 theses. I won't read but a tiny fraction of them. 95 theses that a young man nailed to the church door in Lake Obergon. You have fed me wretched food, vegetables boiled to extinction, fistfuls of white sugar, slabs of fat, mucousy casseroles made with globs of cream of mushroom until it's amazing my heart still beats. Food was not fuel, but ballast in our house. We ate and then we sank like rocks. You've subjected me to endless boring talk about weather, regularity, back problems, and whether something happened in 1938 or 1939 or 1938, insisting that I sit quietly and listen to every word. You've taught me to worship a God who is like you, who shares your thinking exactly, who's going to slap me one if I don't straighten out fast. And so every Sunday is cloudy and deathly still and filled with silent, accusing whispers. You've taught me to feel shame and disgust about my own body so that I'm afraid to clear my throat or blow my nose. Even now I run water in the sink when I go to the bathroom. Go to the bathroom is a term you taught me to use. <laughs> You've taught me the fear of becoming lost, which has killed the pleasure of curiosity and discovery, so that in strange cities I memorize streets and always know exactly where I am. Amid scenes of splendor, I review the route back to the hotel. You have taught me to value a good night's sleep over all else, including adventures of love and friendship, and even when the night is charged with magic, to be sure to get to bed. You taught me to be nice so that now I'm so full of niceness, I have no sense of right and wrong, no outrage or passion. If you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all, you said so I am very quiet, <laughs> which most people think is politeness. I call it quiet. You taught me when the going gets tough, the tough get going, teaching me to plod forward in the face of certain doom. You taught me to be competitive, even in matters of faith, to take pride in the great privilege of having been born Lutheran, even at moments of contrition. Religious intolerance was part of our faith. We believed that Catholics were illiterate peasants, foreign-born, who worshipped idols. In Sunday school, we looked up to see a picture of Christian infants martyred at the hands of papist clergy. We believed there was a secret tunnel between the rectory and the nunnery. 
We believed they poisoned the pets of Protestants. Whatever they believed, it was not right. In place of contrition, you taught me to be apologetic so that I apologize continually. I apologize for my own existence, a fact that I cannot change. For years, you told me I would be sorry someday, and I am. You taught me to trust my own incompetence and even now will not let me mash potatoes without your direct supervision. Don't run the mixer so fast, you get them all over, you say, as if in my home the walls are covered with big white lumps. <laughs> you instilled in me a paralyzing nostalgia for a time before I was born a time when men were men and women were saintly and children were obedient, industrious, asked no luxuries, entertained themselves and knew right from wrong. I was left to wonder why I bothered to be born. You brought me up to respect fastidiousness as a kind of incarnate faith. As a tiny child, I lined up my string beans in a row on the plate taking three per bite. I hesitated to eat the mashed potatoes, lest the little gravy lake spill. I kept useless collections of stamps, postcards, rocks, delighting in their deadly neatness. In our home, surfaces were meant to be bare. Emptiness was the idea. Suffering was its own reward to be preferred to pleasure. We viewed pleasure with suspicion. Birth control was never an issue with us, nor was renunciation of pleasures of the flesh. We never enjoyed them that much in the first place. <laughs> you taught me not to go overboard, lose my head, or make a big deal out of it, but to keep a happy medium, that the truth is in the middle, no extremes, don't exaggerate, hold your horses, keep a lid on it, save it for later, be careful. Weigh the alternatives, wear navy blue. <laughs> Years later, I'm constantly adjusting my feelings downward to achieve that fine balance of caution and melancholy. You taught me not to be unusual for fear of what the neighbors would say. They were omniscient, able to see through walls. We knew they would talk because we always talked about them. For fear of what it might do to me, you never paid a compliment, and when other people did, you beat it away from me with a stick. He certainly is looking nice and grown up. Well, he'd look a lot nicer if he did something about his skin. That's wonderful that he got that job. Yes, well, we'll see how long that lasts. <laughs> you trained me so well, I now perform this service for myself. I deflect every kind word directed to me and my denials are more extravagant than the praise. I do this under the impression that it's humility, but actually I'm starved for a good word. But after the drought of my youth, no word is good enough. Good is not enough. Under this thin veneer of modesty lies a monster of greed. I drive away faint praise, beating my chest waiting to be named Sun God, King of America, <laughs> idol of millions, 
bringer of fire, the great Haji, Thundar, the boy giant. I don't want to say, thanks, glad you liked it. I want to say, rise, my people, remove your faces from the carpet. Stand, look me in the face. You taught me that no matter what I thought, it was probably wrong. The world is fundamentally deceptive. The better something looks, the more rotten it is down deep. Some people were fooled, but not you. Roosevelt was a drunk, and that was that. There was no New Deal. There was no depression. A person could get work if they really tried. Everything was set in place in your universe, and you knew what everything and everybody was, whether you'd ever seen them or not. You could glance at strangers and size them up instantly. An article of clothing, a phrase, a look in their eye, you knew who they were, and you were seldom generous. She certainly thinks a lot of herself. I'll bet that's not his wife. If that's man, that man is not a crook, then today is not Sunday. There was something about the shape of his head. You could tell they couldn't fool you. And now I do this myself. I adopted the mirror reverse of all your prejudices. I detest neat-looking people like myself and people who look industrious and respectable. And in elections, I vote automatically against Scandinavian names. <laughs> I was brought up to believe that whatever happens to people is their own fault. There were few disasters that you couldn't explain by citing their mistakes. She never should have married him. He never should have been there in the first place. Even if you had to go back 30 years, you could find where they took the wrong fork in the road that led directly to their house burning down, their car being hit by a truck, their hands being eaten by corn pickers. If they had been more like you, they would have been all right, but they weren't paying attention. They lacked your sense of the cruelty and hopelessness of the world. And so, you misdirected me as surely as if you had said the world is flat and north is west. That is, not utterly wrong, just wrong enough so that when I took the opposite position, that the world is mountainous and north is east, I was wrong too. Your monogamy made me vacillate in love. Your industry made me a prisoner of sloth. Your tidiness made me sloppy. Your materialism made me wasteful. I wasted years in diametrical opposition, thinking you were completely mistaken and wound up living a life based more on yours than if I had stayed at home. Because you always went to bed early, I stayed up half the night, chain-smoking, drinking straight gin you didn't drink, and given enough time would have cut off my arm, it being yet another thing you would never have done. Emotion grips him. Now you call me on the phone to ask, why don't you ever call us? Why do you shut us out of your life? So I start to tell you about my life, but you don't want to hear it. You want to know why I did not call. I didn't call because I don't need to talk to you anymore. Your voice is in my head, talking constantly from morning till night. I keep the radio on, but I still hear you. <laughs> and I will hear you until the day I die. 
when I will hear you say, I told you. <laughs> and then something else will happen. Thank you. Pretty spry for a man of his age, isn't he? I don't mean him. <laughs> uh, next performers are Ned Warren and Robert Osborne. Um, Ned Warren is a Pulitzer Prize winner. Wait a second. In music. <laughs> is also the author of 12 books. In his spare time, <laughs> including the Paris Diary of Ned Warham and Settling the Score. Robert Osborne has a very lengthy biography. It's not his fault. He also has a short one. Okay. I'm going to read the short one, um, not only because it's more appropriate, but also because the long one is full of foreign words in three or four languages that I do not speak and one language, German, which is simply unspeakable. This has some foreign words in it too. I'm gonna glide over them. I am um, monolingual. <laughs> I believe in speaking one language, but speaking it well. Robert Osborne has sung extensively in many of the major concert halls, opera houses, theaters, and music festivals in the US, Europe, and Russia under such conductors as Leonard Bernstein, someone, Azawa, <laughs> Look at it this way. <laughs> Imagine that Mr. Azawa had introduced me probably have a similar problem. Michael Tilson Thomas, fabulous name. <laughs> John Williams and Dennis Russell Davies. He's appeared on BBC, Soviet, and PBS great performance telecasts. I had <laughs> no idea that they had. Can you imagine, it wasn't bad enough that you had to live in Russia, but they also had PBS. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> Solzhenitsyn neglected to mention this. He holds a doctorate in music from Yale University and is currently completing a book on the songs of Dmitry <laughs> Shostakovich. <laughs> um, now, okay. Uh, Robert Osborne and Ned Roram are going to perform eight songs on poems of Walt Whitman that were written by Ned Roram. Thank you very much.
<clears throat> the texts are not in the program. So let me tell you a bit about the songs that Roz Robert Osborne and I are about to perform. They are settings of Walt Whitman, not originally meant to go together, either as verse or as music. The poems were written mostly in the middle 1850s, the music in the 1950s. From this miscellany, we have made a little cycle which tells a sort of story. To begin, the poet claims there is no unrequited love for that emotion itself produces songs. In I Saw in Louisiana a Live Oak Growing, the poet asks us how this tree can stand alone without a friend or lover near since he knows very well he could not. To you, asks why passing strangers should not speak to each other. O oh, you whom I often and silently come, declares a feeling of electricity passing from you to me. The next song compares Adam early in the morning to the poet admonishing you to touch me, be not afraid of my body. <clears throat> Look down, fair moon, describes the illumination of ghastly dead faces on a Civil War battlefield. In Gliding or All, the poet pleasantly announces his own death, or indeed his many deaths, of which he sings. And in Are You the New Person, he warns a prospective new lover that he, like love itself, and even life, may be an illusion. Together, these eight brief songs take 12 minutes. Fired, huh? But I will be um, interviewing for the job later on this evening. Next we have Richard Price. Who um, is just like a writer. <laughs> like from the olden days. He's going to just read. Uh, <laughs> it's, um, for those of you in the audience who aren't writers, there may be one or two. This would be true, by the way, in any large gathering in New York. <laughs> <laughs> or even any small gathering. Uh, you, you may have noticed that being a writer is a kind of anachronistic profession doesn't have what they call impact any longer. Being a writer in 1990 is kind of like being a shepherd. <laughs> cute. <laughs> Richard Price is extremely cute. He has written four books, The Wanderers, Blood Brothers, Ladies Man, and The Breaks. His screenwriting credits include The Color of Money, Sea of Love, and The Life's Lesson and the Life's Lessons segment of New York Stories. This was on PBS. His forthcoming book is entitled 30 In and will be out in September. Keep that in mind. Thank you.
uh, in defense of just being a writer, uh, I'm really supposed to be Eric Bogosian, but he couldn't make it tonight. But he was a house guest of mine, so he said, why don't you do it? Um, this is from the first book that I uh, have written in the last six years. It's like when you're an adult, you get depressed about you know, getting older, so I decided to do screenwriting for a while and be a kid again. But then I decided it's time to be a grown-up again, so I started writing books. Um, yeah, thank you, <coughs> all one of you. Um, this is from a book called uh, 30 In, not to be confused with 30-something. 30, 30 In is a legal term, a legal slang, which means that if you commit a purposeful homicide in the state of New Jersey, it's mandatory that you spend 30 years in jail without uh, parole. Um, Anyways, this, this one section, I was trying to find something uh, to, to read that's not too predicated on things that happened previously in the book. It's a lot of dialogue, so it'll go fast. It's 12 pages, and I'm a, I race walk through my stuff. Uh, but let me just tell you about these, these two characters uh, in this particular scene. Uh, they're uh, two young black men, um, both involved in the uh, drug trade in a fictional town in Jersey, New Jersey. One guy's name is Buddha Hat. Uh, Buddha Hat given it, is a uh, sort of an enforcer for a larger drug dealer. And uh, he has his name because he has a fancy, taken a fancy to uh, camouflage uh, type outfits, including these sort of floppy brim uh, forage hats. Like they associate that with Vietnam, so his name is Buddha Hat. Uh, he, he doesn't deal drugs. He's a. Uh, like I said, he's just like sort of a, a gunman. And the other kid in the scene is named Strike. Strike is a drug dealer. Uh, he's a bright kid. He's also about 21, 22. Strike uh, has a uh, speech defect that comes and goes, a stammer. And he's also got a perforated ulcer that he doesn't know about. In this scene, they uh, just went to Times Square to do some shopping, and they're on their way back to New Jersey in uh, Buddha Hat's Volvo. And uh, it's page 664, if that's any help, uh, if you want to turn. Uh, <clears throat> Taking the sharp bend that, that led from 11th Avenue into the Lincoln Tunnel, Buddha Hat was forced to slow down and drive right past the Port Authority blue and white, strategically parked in the nook of the curve to optimally profile the Jersey-bound traffic. Although neither he nor Strike so much as blinked, as they came within five feet of the cops, the cruiser rolled out as soon as the Volvo had passed. Now they're gonna fuck with us. Buddha had talked tight, muttering straight ahead as the uh, Port Authority car purposely hung back half a car length in the parallel lane through the tunnel. You got anything on you, throw it out now. Slowing down to be more parallel with the cruiser so the cops wouldn't see anything bouncing or flying in the Volvo's wake. I'm clean. Strike closed his eyes and let his head roll on the seat back. He felt exhausted. When they broke clear of the tunnel, Buddha Hat was careful to use his turn signal to just shift lanes, careful to avoid, to avoid driving over the painted kidney-shaped safety zones. But the blue and white hung in that same half a car length behind until Buddha Hat finally said, fuck this, and took the first turn off the Hoboken ramp. Let's get this bullshit over with. The cruiser following them, hitting its misery lights as soon as both cars were clear of the mainstream of the tunnel traffic. Park it there, brother, coming over the police PA with an electronic bark. 
Buddha hat pulled alongside a car wash, the entrance quivering with purple and gold mylar discs in the shape of a whale. The cruiser stopped 20 feet behind them, turned on its takedown brights, which flooded the Volvo with light so strong that it seemed to be coming from in front, and trained an additional spotlight on the rearview mirror, which left them so cocooned in whiteness that it hurt to look up. One's coming up your side, so don't get jumpy, Buddha hat sighed, staring at his lap as if in prayer. Hands on the dash, fellas. The voice in Strike's window seemed disembodied. Where's the papers at, home? Another voice coming through the driver's window. Buddha hat nodded to the glove compartment, both his and Strike's hands splayed on the dash like they were at a seance. Look at me. Strike turned to the voice in his window and the cop trained the beam of his flashlight into his eyes. Lights on top of lights on top of lights. Strike instinctively curling his chin into his shoulder. Come on, don't be shy, look at me, look at me. Whoa, this one's fucked up there, Fred. Playing for the back rows then, come on out, son. Holding the door for him, instantly palming his chest to gauge the pound, a heart test, old news. This one too, la. The other cop trained his light on Buddha hat's outraged sockets. Woof. Where you been, brother? Strike's cop had a flaring wax-tipped handlebar, longish gray hair and liquor-cracked cheeks. He held a cigarette in his free hand like this rouse was on his own free time. Where you been? New York. Strike tried not to look at the cars coming off the Hoboken ramp and rubbernecking. I know New York. Where in New York? Don't look at him. Look at me. Strike-eyed Buddha hat staring down the gawkers, his nostrils flaring thinly. Times Square around. Strike sounded neutral like this whole thing was reasonable. Buddha hat's frisk came up empty, no gun. Score some good shit? Mm, no. Shit, here we go. You nervous? I'd be nervous too. Lying always makes me nervous. What'd you do, pick up a package? Close. Oh yeah, no package, no smack, no blow? Strike reared back in disdain. The cop hit his eyes with the light again. No smack, huh? Going through his pockets, patting him down. Step back a few feet, please. But stay out of the car wash, it'll shrink your clothes. The cop ducked into the car, feeling around Strike's seat, in under then the change caddy, the visor, the glove compartment, turned on the air conditioner and palmed the air streams for blocked vents. Strike stood there, framed by the golden-purple light-dappled whale, furtively watching Buddha hat and his cop, a Puerto Rican weightlifter sporting a small ponytail under his cap, probably a plainclothes working the odd night in uniform. Who's Yvonne Carter, frowning down at Buddha hat's registration? My grandmother, Buddha hat tight-lipped, distant. She know you got her car? Yeah, uh-huh. Well, let me ask you, your grandmother, she's a worker woman? Yeah, she's retired. Sneaking a quick glance at Strike. Yeah, you help her out on the car payments? Some. You good to your grandmother? Buddha hat didn't answer. When was the last time you were arrested? Don't look at him, look at me. I never. Rearing back, staring at the cop's throat. No? Nope. Good. Let me ask you, why do you think I stopped you? I don't know giving it a tiny shrug. You don't know? I'll tell you, you were driving too cautious. Isn't that a pisser? You were driving like you wouldn't fart without putting out your hand to make a fart signal. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. Ain't that a bitch? So what did you score on the deuce? I bought two hats. Two hats, huh? They in the car, leading with his chin. Two hats, is that what they're calling it now? Two hats is smack. Strike's cop came up from his search, grunting and wincing from backache. <sighs> this one's all fucked up, Fred. Throwing a thumb at Strike. No, I ain't. Strike said as mild as possible. Hey, you can't hide your lion eyes, home. They're like fucking pin dots, and your heart's pumping Kool-Aid. You know that, I know that, so why don't we cut the shit and you just tell me where it is? They, they ain't none. Tick-tock in his head, waiting out the sight game, which could take forever. Look, 
you two bozos are under arrest anyway for driving under the influence, for being under the influence, for crossing the state line under the influence. You know what that means? They both stood silent, letting it run its course. That means this fine car is mine, right, Fred? The other cop nodded, mine too. You say you don't got no drugs. I impound this bitch, tear it apart. Let me tell you something. You make me do that, go to all that work, and we find something against your lion? Holy shit, what happens to you? Neither of them said anything. Strike's cop lit another cigarette, took a languorous drag, stretching his throat for maximum inhale. All four of them standing there like they were waiting for a bus or for work. Are you a gambling man? No. Strike sounding solemn. Well, what are we going to find in your urine right now? Piss, mostly. Strike shrugged. Buddha hat turned away quickly, hiding a smile, and Strike felt a glow of friendship. You giving me shit? The cop slightly belly bumping him like a baseball manager taking on an umpire. No, sir. You want to fucking dance with me? Tilting his head to one side to peer up into Strike's eyes. No, sir. Because I like to fucking it with theatrical seriousness. seriousness. No. Strike leaving off the sir, stepping back a foot. Cause you yanking my chain. Shrugging with the obviousness of the evidence. No, I ain't. Sure you are. Walking back to his cruiser, retrieving his nightstick and ambling back. He reached behind himself and slipped the nightstick between his own legs so it stood out like an 18-inch hard-on from under his gut. You know what this is? This is called a visual aid. Strike stared at the Mylar whale on the car wash wall. The cop was standing with his back to the ramp so none of the drivers could see what he was doing. Grab it. Go ahead. It's okay. Grab it. Strike staring off, sighing in despair. I said, grab it, motherfucker. Strike fingered the tip, still looking away. The cop started sliding the stick back and forth so it looked like Strike was giving him a hand job. Strike, staring at the glittering discs of whale, kept blowing air through his cheeks in order to not keel over with humiliation. That's it, yeah, okay, just keep it up, because that's what you were doing to me before anyhow, jerking me off, so just, just keep it up, and why are you doing it? Think about where the dope is. Take your time, though, take your time. Strike just standing there, delicately grasping the stick like, like the head of a dead bug, his scalp beginning to creep, the cop sliding the stick, moving Strike's arm for him. Strike getting lightheaded, lighter than air, starting to think about taking his stick and wrapping his cop's ball, smashing in his head. Puerto Rican cop put his arm around Buddha Hat's shoulders, spoke intimately down by his ear. That's really embarrassing, isn't it? Makes you want to blow a gasket seeing that, don't it? Whew. Maybe you should tell us where the dope is. Ain't no dope, Buddha Hat muttered. That's it, man. I'm starting to get hard for real. Strikes cop with his hand between the cheeks of his own ass, sliding that stick. Anytime you feel like you want to stop, all you got to do is tell me where it is, brother. Strike was deaf, lost in his fantasy of violence, gripping the nightstick, white-knuckled now his neck aching from the way his chin was turned almost clear behind his shoulder so that he didn't have to look at the cop. 
He started to make a noise no one could hear but himself. The cop started whistling. I've been working on the railroad to accompany the strokes. Lit another cigarette with his free hand. Where you work at? What do you do? Buddha hats cop staring at his license. In Jersey City for my uncle's truck. Help on the truck. Buddha hat staring at the ground, getting killer's eyes. A truck is helper. How the fuck can you afford this car? My grand, fuck your grandmother. Don't give me this grandmother bullshit. This is a fucking dope bought car, and I don't want to hear anything about anything else. I never sold dope in my life. Buddha hat's eyes showing whites all around, although his voice was small. You know what I drive? I drive a five-year-old Honda Civic, and I got two years of college, so who the fuck are you? Tell me that. Buddha had said nothing. Truck is helper, the cop made a hiss. And don't give me them King Kong eyes, because I'll put you right through the fucking ground, right here and now, home. Strike had the cop on the ground, begging for mercy, holding up broken arms, curling protectively into shattered kneecaps, weeping please over and over. Whoa there, horsey, the cop squawked. Fred, check out this action. Strike snapped into focus, looked down, shocked to see that while he was lost in his bloody visions, he had started jerking on a nightstick so vigorously that the cop didn't even have to hold it for him. Horrified, he just let go, the nightstick clattering to the ground. Did I tell you to stop? This cop blew a cloud of smoke. I ain't doing it no more, nodding at the cop's shoes. Are you telling me to go fuck myself? Strike felt immune to the game now, and the cop picked up on that right away. No, I, I just ain't doing it no more. The cop hesitated, wondering where to take it, appraising the stammer, finally sensing the clinical reality of it, and sobering up, wanting to end it now. Just tell me where the package is, sounding almost kindly. Mm. Strike began thrashing his head, trying to physically whip out words that just wouldn't shake loose. Mm. Something dancing in his, in his eyes as he clenched his teeth. Mm. Buddha hat wincing, the cops exchanging quick, a quick embarrassed look. Just take the car, man. Buddha hat sounding angry and pain. You gonna take it, then just take it. Strike trapped, standing there with diamond chips in his eyes. Grrr. His nostrils filling with mucus, a wet hoop sound escaping his throat. Grrr. Not even trying to shape words anymore, just surrendering to the sounds as they came. Pure fury, pure music. Easy, easy. His cop putting forth a placating hand, but keeping his distance as if this thing growing out of Strike's throat might explode. Easy there, home. Strike rooted to the ground, lost, grunting, growling, humming, blind with a dewy rage. Impound the motherfucker, Buddha hat snapped, making a gun with his thumb and four fingers. Please. Strike and Buddha hat sat in silence, parked right on the water's edge, Jersey side, staring out at the shutdown New York skyline. <clears throat> Buddha hat lit a cigarette and Strike rolled down his window for air. It was two o'clock in the morning and the only other life around them was a gray-haired white man in a soft gray sweater, baby face, smiling, rapidly pacing back and forth along the river, railing and talking to himself. When do you think you're gonna die? Buddha had squinted at the white man then slowly turned to Strike. Strike pressed a forearm across his stomach, the pain like a vicious intelligence announcing itself in response to the question. I got some years, 20, I'd like 20 more if I can get it. Nodding, completely exhausted from the night. Yeah. Buddha hat slid down, tapped his ashes into the gap where the ashtray should have been. I don't think I got much more to go myself, shaking his head. When it happens, I hope they put it right here, touching a hollow behind Strike's left ear, his fingertip like iced wax. Because right there, you don't feel nothing. You go like crack. Mm. A soft wincing noise escaping Strike's lips as he pressed his forearm so deep into his stomach 
that the bone of his arm was in behind his lower ribs. He could feel a bit of something climb up his throat and into his mouth. Buddha had sat there calmly taking his measure in the darkness, the pain in his face, the way his arm cut into his waist, the knees pressed tight and twisted towards the door like a man curled up on a hospital bed. You got your high school diploma? Uh-uh. Strike nodded, trying to unclench. Can I say something to you without disrespect? Strike waited. You should go back to school or something. Strike looked at Buddha hat in surprise, because you were in the wrong line of work. Thank you. Very butch. Um. <laughs> so. When I was a child, surprising thought probably to some, that I was a child. Use your imagination. Um, I had um, a very fervent ambition, and that was to be a beatnik. And um, I had um, only really two available role models. One was Allen Ginsberg, and the other was Maynard G. Krebs. <laughs> In forming my own persona, I had to choose from both of them. Uh, I have unfortunately never met Maynard G. Krebs, although I think he would be a good idea for BAM. I have met Alan Ginsberg, who has lived up to all my beatnik expectations. Don't let his tie and coat fool you. Um, he is performing tonight with Philip Glass. They are performing, you know, uh, this is in your program, I'm sure. Um, oh yes, um, they, they, uh, Alan Ginsberg will be reciting and Philip Glass will be playing the piano, or vice versa kind of thing a beatnik might do, don't you think? <laughs> They're performing um, something from uh, Hydrogen Jukebox, which is an opera. I think a kind of a beatnik opera. Um, I have biographies of both these people, but I feel that they're sufficiently well known uh, to not bore you with their list of credits. So I give you the beatnik duo of Allen Ginsberg and Philip Glass.
I'm an old man now and a lonesome man in Kansas, but not afraid to speak my lonesomeness in a car because not only my lonesomeness, it's ours. All over America, oh, tender fellows. And spoken lonesomeness is prophecy in the moon a hundred years ago or in the middle of Kansas now. It's not the vast plains mute our mouths that fill at midnight with ecstatic language when our trembling bodies hold each other breast to breast on a mattress. Not the empty sky that hides the feeling from our faces, nor our skirts and trousers that conceal the body love emanating in a glow of beloved skin, white smooth abdomen down to the hair between our legs. It's not a God that bore us, that forbid our being, like a sunny rose all red with naked joy between our eyes and bellies. Yes, all we do is for this frightened thing we call love, want, and lack. Fear that we aren't the one whose body could be beloved of all the brides of Kansas City, kissed all over by every boy of Wichita, Oh, but how many in their solitude weep aloud like me on the bridge over Republican River, almost in tears to know how to speak the right language on the frosty broad road uphill between highway embankments. I search for a language that is also yours. Almost all our language has been taxed by war. Radio antenna high tension wires ranging from Junction City across the plains. Highway cloverleaf sunk in a vast meadow. Lanes curving past Abilene to Denver filled with old heroes of love. To Wichita where McClure's mind burst into animal beauty drunk. Getting laid in a car in a neon misted street 25 years ago to independence where the old man still alive who loosed the bomb that slaved all human consciousness and made the body universe a place of fear. Now, speeding along the empty plain, no giant demon machine visible on the horizon, but tiny human trees and wooden houses at the sky's edge, I claim my birthright. Joy reborn after the vast sadness of the war gods. A lone man talking to myself. No house in the brown vastness to hear. Imagining that throng of cells that make this nation one body of prophecy language by declaration as pursuit of happiness. I call all powers of imagination to my side in this auto to make prophecy. All lords of human kingdoms to come. Shambhu Bharti Baba naked covered with ash. Kaki Baba fat bellied mad with the dogs. Dehorahava Baba who moans, oh how wounded, how wounded. Sitaram Ankar Dastakar who commands, give up your desire. Satyananda, who raises two thumbs in tranquility. Kali, Pada, Buha, Roy, whose yoga drops before the void. 
Shivananda who touches the breast and says, Oh, Sri Mata Krishna Ji of Brindaban who says, Take for your guru, William Blake, the invisible father of English visions. Sri Ramakrishna, master of ecstasy, eyes half closed who only cries for his mother. Sri Chaitanya, arms upraised, singing and dancing his own praise. Merciful Shango, judging our bodies. Durgama, covered with blood, destroyer of battlefield illusions. Million-faced Tathagatagan past suffering. Preserver Hare Krishna, returning in the age of pain. Sacred heart, my Christ, acceptable. Allah, the compassionate one. Yahweh, righteous one. All knowledge, princes of earth, man. All ancient seraphim of heavenly desire, devas, yogis, and holy men I chant to come to my lone presence into this vortex named Kansas. I lift my voice aloud, make mantra of American language. Now I here declare the end of the war. Let the states tremble. Let the nation weep. Let Congress legislate its own delight. Let the president execute his own desire. This act done by my own voice, published to my own senses, blissfully received by my own form, approved with pleasure by my sensations, manifestation of my very thought, accomplished in my own imaginations, all realms within my consciousness fulfilled 60 miles from Wichita, near El Dorado, the golden one. Chill earthly mists, houseless brown farmland plains rolling heavenward in every direction. One midwinter afternoon, Sunday called the day of the Lord. Pure spring water gathered in one tower where Florence is set on a hill, stops for gas and peace. You can always count on beat mix. Something my parents neglected to tell me. Next performer, whose name I believe is Sekou Sundiata. Uh, now, I've, I've been looking for him all night, asking how he pronounces his name. But that's my interpretation of how he might pronounce his name. Uh, and ends his band, which you can find in your program, and you can check, <laughs> see if I miss any syllables. Dada, di da da.
think I handled that quite well, given the circumstances. Um, and Finn, his band, uh, said it features original music and poetry described as rhythm and news. I'm looking for the rest of this. Um, okay, he is a poet who has been working with performance-based poetry for many years. His current band, that I do, that I. I pick languages up very quickly. <laughs> performs original poetry and music. He also performs and records with the band Cold Sweat, appeared on both Cold Sweat albums. I thought I recognized him on the second one. And has completed two European tours with the band. He was the first writer in residence at the new school. Where does he live, do you think? We'll have to ask him. And is currently a full-time faculty member. Well, of course, he doesn't want to give up that apartment. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Saku Sandiata. As always, we dedicate our performance to our brothers and sisters who are struggling at this very moment in South Africa. We connect and link that struggle with all struggles throughout the world for freedom and justice and human dignity. This song comes from a goal that does not tarnish or corrode. A human conductor of electricity and heat. A gold, deeper than a gold mine, a mind holier than church, a starvation greater than flesh. This song, this song comes from the moonwalk yard, where the latest dancers break and pop and break and pop and break and pop and break and pop and slide and spin. A secret code between heart and earth. In this yard, Opposites mean the opposite. Monday is the day after Friday. Nothing spooky. Just a root need for faith and music. A logical flow of anything natural. This song sings South Africa in the West. This song sings South Africa. <laughs>
This song sings South Africa in the West. This song sings South Africa. This song sings South Africa in the West. This song sings South Africa. I got it. This song comes down the line from a scene in the Mid-Atlantic expressed by the steady, fateful rhythm of the good ship cutting the ocean, pressing an unspeakable hypnotic madness into a dangerous skin. This song comes from the democracy of time, punching out those stupid numbers. This song comes from the colors, yeah. Red for the left, white for the right, blue for the ups and downs. This song sings South Africa in the West. This song sings South Africa. Gotta do that now, come on. This song sings South Africa in the West. This song sings South Africa. One more time, come on. This song sings South Africa in the West. This song sings South Africa. Lift every voice and sing to earth and heaven ring. Ring with the harmonies of liberty. Let our rejoicing rise high as the living sky. Let it resound loud as the This song sings South Africa in the West. This song sings South Africa. Gotta do that now. This song sings South Africa in the West. This song sings South Africa. This song comes from a black and white South African music video. A crossover dream to sway the nation. A rock, a pop, a star, a brief moment of integration. This song, this song comes from the nervous vertical world. You know what I mean. A part type other than the Bantu stand on the far right of your radio dial. <laughs> this song comes from around earth, from around earth in a flat world. This song comes from around earth in a flat world to be sung wherever a flatness happens in the harmony. Check it out. This song, this song sings South Africa in the West. This song sings.
South Africa. This song sings South Africa in the West. This song sings, yeah, South Africa. Let's go, come on. This song sings South Africa. This song sings South Africa. This song sings South Africa. Right here. This song sings South Africa. Front row on the inroads that they make into your life. What did you learn from your education to make a left turn or make a right? 100 years is such a long time, it can be measured in most of years. Measure progress by the distance between the hopes, between the fears. Mushroom. The poison mushroom, Nagasaki, not a thing can be done to forget. The poison mushroom cloud changed everything around that brought the 21st century, 50 years ahead of the time, the first sign of radioactive contamination. A distinct change in the frequency and nature 
of a banker sitting on a rainbow, world on a string, and a TV commercial. Ideas like this can be sold for a lot of money. Grown-up man in a movie house, breathing hard. (laughs) Light from the silver screen shining in their faces like a flashlight in a nervous hand. Batteries on the blink running down. (laughs) Little girls with yellow teeth run away from Iowa to 42nd Street. You might get a home over yonder, but do you have a home down here? What's next? Homelessness. Stop. Dangerous cops. Everybody knows what's up. I know what's up. Prices and rent. Come on now. Everybody, everybody knows what's up. I know what's up. You know what's up. I say now prices and rent. Turn, turn 
Thank you very much. The sound of the memory of many living people. sound of the memory of It's the sound of the memory of Everything in the dream is the dream I heard, everything in the dream is the dreamer. I never went to hear John Coltrane because I thought you had to belong to something. Sunlight, sidewalk. They were like two waters, two winds, two waters swooshing, gurgling. Their eyes were closed, a wind inside a wooden flute. Everything in the dream. You can fly is to the edge of the sea. The dreamer and the fishermen will eat your wings with french fries and Coca-Cola on the side. Everything in the dream is the dreamer. It's the sound. Everything of in the, the dream of. is the dreamer. El, el, el año que Rio Mississippi solo se sentó como una dura promesa, ahogándose con pacos de comercio, atorjaron el capricho de la con. Quien ni buscaba favor ni ninguno daba. Como una viuda del invierno. Tablas de ventiscas con helada y cerrada al tráfico por cien millas. El ganado, el ganado estaba tosiendo polvo. Nadie tenía nada de escupir. Y los muchachos, exploradores, Encontraron cuatro calderos 
doblaros a través de una cruz y una Biblia. Una cruz y una Biblia. She offered her eyes, searching across their habits, then recoiled sharply. The gift was not free to give. He was thinking about the secret of life. This woman, who smelled like carnation mint, dropped to the floor when the senior choir sang hot cone grease melted chicken neck sopranos when the senior choir sang hot cone grease melted chicken neck hot cone grease melted chicken hot cone grease melted chicken neck sopranos reaching velvet claws to heaven you could see where she was dark in the middle she cried oh yeah in the dream their eyes were closed Last night, I had this nasty dream with peaches, and I woke up stuck to myself. Nobody, nobody said nothing. I am nobody. I am nobody. You wouldn't use that word if you knew what it meant. It ain't pretty. It's bloody. It overturns things. It overturns things. I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But when you smell the shoe polish on your breath, the sun goes down even, Stephen. This is the voice of reason. All that I see, I do not see. All that I know, I do not know. The eagle is the center of the universe, and I am but a speck in the spectrum and changes for hands greater than my own. All that I hear, I do not hear. All that I am, I am not. Payow, payow, payow. It's the sound of the memory of the first picture I saw of Charlie it's Parker. The, sound of the, memory the very of first picture I ever saw of Charlie Parker was a melted bird on a naked ranch with busted wings in Abyssinian Baptist Church. And if it was a secret, we couldn't even keep it. Hey, little girl, tiene la boogie. Todo en el sueño de esos soñadores. If it was a secret, we couldn't even keep it. Do you want to hear a secret? In Do you want to hear a secret? Swish. Swish. The dreamer. Douglas Booth. Douglas Booth, please take this with you on the way out.
I was on my way to see my woman, but the law said I was on my way through a red light. If you saw my woman, you could understand if I did, but I didn't. It wasn't about no light. It was about my ride. If you saw my ride, you could dig that too, you dig. Sunroof, stereo, radio, black leather bucket seats sitting low. You know the body's cool, but the tie's worn. Ride when the hard times come. Ride when they're gone. In other words, your life is green. I can wake up in the morning without a warning. My world could change. Please get eyes. All depends on the all depends on the all depends on the skin. All depends on the skin you're living in. Up to the window come the law with his hand on his gun. What's up? What's happening? I said, I guess that's when I really broke the law. He said a routine. Step out the car. A routine. Assume the position. Put your hands up in the air. You know the routine like you just don't care. License and registration. Deep was the night and the light and the deep, deep. Deep was the night and the light and the deep, 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 was the night and the light from the North Star on the car door. I could see deja vu. We've been through this before. Why the fuck did you stop? Somebody, body, 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 I watch the news. You always lose. This is serious. You could be dangerous. You're unreliable. That's undeniable. I could wake up in the morning without a warning. My world could change. Blink your eyes. All depends on the skin. All depends on the skin you're living in. New York City, they got laws. Can't no brothers drive our dogs. In certain neighborhoods, in certain cars, in and around certain types of people on particular occasions. Yeah, 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 yeah. Doc, they got laws. All depends on the skin. All depends on the skin you're living in. All depends on the skin. Son talking, talking in the mother. Son talking, talking in the mother. Son talking, talking in the mother tongue. America, son talking, talking in the mother. Son talking, talking in the mother. Son talking, talking in the mother tongue. I pledge my verse to the sonic. I consider that very ironic. How can the weight of the page carry us through this age? You can tell the rebels by the way they write. Uh-huh. Voice and tone, keyboard and microphone. Uh-huh. Let me tell you how I really feel. Steel, that's what you do. But you can't get the feeling over 400 years. Rocking and reeling and dealing and healing. Rhythm and time. So fine and define, refine. Take your time. Complexity, diversity, dexterity, ambiguity. I took a 16th note. Break it, broke. 30 seconds, 64. Thinking of creating at the speed of thought more. America, did you get what you bargained for? So you never dreamed I could be so bold. I'm at home in the poem, singing you your song. Son talking, talking in the mother. Son talking, talking in the mother. Son talking, talking in the mother tongue. Yeah, America. Son talking, talking in the mother. Son talking, talking in the mother. Son talking, talking in the mother tongue. I, me, some of us, we ain't cool. Call my daddy Papa cool. Sun shining, cause I can't be blind. 
fashion. Son of a woman, sublime. Son of a man, or out your time. Made it swing. Ain't no thing but a chicken wing. Check out the economy. Now, what is that about? Nobody knows. But anyway, check it out. The rate of the nation in the present situation is abysmal. Now, that's the words you use to say bad. But that ain't the news. Wall Street come falling down. But you think we don't hear the sound of the experts. Like a medicine show on television. They don't know a statistic from a human face. They want to fix it, but it's much too late. Son talking, talking to the mother. Son talking, talking to the mother. Son talking, talking to the mother. Son talking to the mother. Son talking, talking to the mother. I don't call, call you home, home just to make a rhyme, America. America. I call you home because you're mine. Will you be around in the year 2000? Now let's see where you plan to be when it gets here. Don't fear, it belongs to me. I peep the agenda. America, America surrender. surrender. Make it easy on yourself. Bow to the wind of change. Change with the change of wind. Coming in like a prophecy. Promise a new reality. Give it up, give it up, give it up. Give it up, give it up, give it up. America. I can't be satisfied. Michael Hill, let's get electrified. Lord, have mercy. I don't know what you call this in your country, but in my country, this is a groove. Older than that. Do you feel it? Are you still groovable? Huh? Can you groove? Do you feel it? It's all right to talk back. In my country, we talk back to the screen. We go to movies, we talk back to the characters. So it's all right. I guess you don't feel it, huh? Oh yeah, well look here. This thing is called the backbeat. The two and the four. It was invented by the signifying monkey. Signifying monkey used to run around saying, 
everything. Yeah, Sister Monkey. She say, look here. Ha! Talking about everything. Yeah, she say, everything's gonna be all right. <laughs> everything's gonna be all right. On the two and the four, right here, come on. Everything's gonna be all right. Everything's gonna be all right. Come on. Daddy, do that, die. Thank you. Thank you. 